You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the Hump Day edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, aka Murph, and you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Murph's underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. Welcome, everybody. Hopefully, you're having an excellent week thus far as we are halfway through the week and we are that much closer to the weekend. Welcome, everybody, and we have a lot to discuss. We really do. And I just want to jump right into uh, a big uh, big thing that, unfortunately, Kim is not here to join us. And I know a lot of people liked uh, having her on the podcast as well. She's a very likable person, and that's kind of hard to believe, LOL. But all jokes aside, uh, she won't be joining us today. She'll definitely be joining again in the future, in the near future. And she, she had so much fun with it. She's just... Uh, busy at school doing her own thing but I know you definitely enjoyed having her on so it's just not me talking for 45 minutes or so it's actually me and her having a conversation kind of helping the whole engagement and discussion thing take off so that out of the way I'm sorry if you just don't want to listen to this episode because she's not here I know we're all joking right I hope (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I had to, I had to throw the little uh, little sad thing in there. But anyways, let's just jump right into quick hits. Quick Over hits. early, um, uh, when did this drop? I think Monday it came out. The eighth, yeah, Monday. Uh, MLB slightening, slightly deadening baseballs for the 2021 season. Excuse me. So if you may not know what deadening means, it means they're gonna try to help the ball not carry as far off of the bat so over the course of the past several years in recent memory home runs are becoming very common it's you me your mom my mom we're all hitting home runs at the professional level and it's ridiculous because everybody is hitting 20 25 30 35 40 home runs a year and it's really ridiculous i know i kind of touched upon this um, on my youtube exclusive video where pitchers are good. It's not the fact that the pitchers suck, unless it's the Red Sox rotation. But that aside, pitchers in baseball don't suck. We have a, a great amount of starting pitchers. You have DeGrom, 
Scherzer, Syndergaard, Verlander, Greinke, you got Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw. I can go on and on and on about all the great pitchers we have in today's game. But they're all giving up bombs. They're all giving up 450, 500-foot home runs. And it's not because they suck. It's because the hitters are able to hit it out. They're all um, all about the launch angle, trying to uppercut the ball to launch it over the fence. It's either that or they're striking out. There's honestly very little in between. And there was a, a rumor at the start of last year, I think before COVID happened, so when you know baseball was actually starting to get going in February last year, that pitchers were, you know, kind of upset that, you know, baseball juiced or MLB juiced the baseballs. And MLB was like, oh, no, we didn't do it. We haven't done anything. We haven't touched the baseballs. I, 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 I'm not really a pitcher, obviously. And they, those pitchers on the mound can probably kind of tell and feel that, like, hey, something might be up here. So it's very interesting to kind of see baseball, MLB. When I say baseball, I mean MLB. Major League Baseball, slightly, slightly deadening their baseballs for this coming year. Obviously, this is amid years of long home run surges across probably ever since like 2016. And they're going to try to, um, with this deadening of the baseball, if a ball is hit over 375 feet, their hope with their um, study research from this independent lab is they're going to try to knock off one to two feet off of a ball hit over 375, I have no idea how they're going to do that. I don't know where the science is. I don't know how you can make a ball travel less if it's only hit 375 feet. So if you're saying I hit a ball 374 feet, I'm still going to crank it to the moon and it's not going to drop a couple feet short. I don't know. It's definitely going to be interesting to see because every year, I think since like 2016, the home run numbers across the... uh, Across the league have gone up every single year and teams are breaking like their own records every single year i mean the yankees the past three years in a row i think have broke like the single season record for a team home run with like i don't know a gazillion so it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on this and see if there's any difference as we turn the page into 2021 with spring training just a couple short weeks away moving along also with mlb The uh, MLB and the MLBPA, the Major League Baseball Players Association, agreed to health protocols for COVID-19 and, you know, health screenings and all that. But that's, you know, that was kind of expected, right? All sports are doing that. But what really is interesting to me is that, sorry, my headphone fell out, is that they also agreed to carry over seven inning double headers with extra innings. um, I'll, I'll do that later. Seven inning double headers. So last year for the COVID-19 shortened MLB season last year, they're trying to shrink the games to really jam everything into uh, like two month window, two and a half month window with only 60 games being played across the league for every team. And to kind of help with that, because there was going to be cancellations due to COVID, contact tracing, all that good stuff. They agreed to have, um, when they needed to have double headers, they would have two seven inning games on days of double headers and me personally i think that was awesome this is something i also touched upon my youtube exclusive video that came out yesterday you can go check that out on my youtube channel um mervs boston sports talk all my podcasts are on there plus exclusive youtube content that can only be found on youtube where i kind of go into this a little bit there yesterday as well 
just as I was playing MLB The Show, just kind of going on a rant about how I think the seven inning doubleheaders are really good because your casual person can't watch one full nine inning game let alone two nine-inning games in one day. That's just very hard to ask. Now, I'm not saying that MLB should shorten every game to be seven or even eight innings. I think the nine-inning game is a good number. I just think that the double headers being shortened to seven is actually a very, very good play by them because that helps with each team's pitching rotation, the pitching staff, because um, before, pitchers would have to throw a combined 18 innings in one given day. That's a lot of stress on your pitching staff, your rotation, your bullpen. And if you're a pitcher, you know that it can be very stressful on your arm, your body, your mind to go out there and pitch in two games in two in one day. So I kind of like shortening the doubleheaders. I think that's a very good call by MLB. I think that's really smart decision to carry over because I think that was successful in the COVID-19 shortened season last year. So bring it over into the 2021 season is a smart play as well. However, this kind of throws a little bit of a yellow flag. I wouldn't call it a red flag just yet, but a yellow flag because they're probably anticipating games being canceled this year due to COVID-19 and contact tracing and players having to quarantine for whatever reason. So I think MLB and the Players Association is probably anticipating some forms of cancellations outside of weather and and obviously in years past, we've only seen games getting canceled due to weather, rain, snow, whatever. So I kind of like that they're bracing for potential COVID-19 implications throughout the course of their year. They want to try to jam in all 162 games this year, starting on April 1st, ending at the end of September, maybe early October, kind of depending on, obviously, if they have to push back games, if they have to change the schedule around, so be it. But all in all, I think this is a great idea. This helps keep fans engaged because if you're going to watch one of the games, you only have to sit through seven innings. And those seven innings can be very, very good. A pitcher could be pitching five innings and there's four innings left of a regular nine-inning game. But you you take a second look and you're like, holy smokes, there's only two innings left of this game. This is getting good. This is getting juicy. And especially for the National League because the National League, they don't um, – they don't use the designated hitter such as the American League does, which is something that was also agreed upon is that the National League is going to uh, get rid of the designated hitter rule that they temporarily put in last year. So the American League is the only league that recognizes and uses the designated hitter while the National League uses their pitcher to hit instead. Now for 2020, during the 60-game COVID schedule, the uh, both leagues identified and recognized used the whole dh thing which you know was kind of cool interesting but i just don't like it me personally i love national league games because the pitcher hits and that just brings so much strategy like i was kind of alluding to just a minute ago a pitcher's throwing five innings on this double header so there's only seven in the game but there's a runner on second and you're down by one but your guy's throwing so good do you keep him in there do you pinch hit him what do you do so there's so many question marks in terms of strategy and, you know, so much thought process that has to go into it from, you know, us couch coaches, plus the actual managers on, on the bench. I really like the approach that baseball and the Players Association is doing this year, keeping the double headers, keeping the designated hitter in the National League, which I do think down the line, I think the designated hitter will be used in both leagues. 
But honestly, when Madison Bumgarner was on the Giants, and he can still rope it with the uh, Diamondbacks nowadays, but he's electric to watch. Some hitters, I mean, some pitchers are good hitters, and it's really interesting to watch. I thoroughly think that if you kind of put the designated hitter in both leagues, it's going to kind of drown out that suspense and that drama, especially come the seventh inning. Runners on first and second, one down, but your pitcher's throwing so good, but you're just down by one run because it's one to nothing. What do you do? Do you keep your pitcher, try to bunt bunt the runners over for the guy after to score them, or do you just kind of go to your bench and have a pinch hitter? There's so much strategy, gameplay, um, variables that go into National League games, and that's what makes them so good and so interesting because of those types of situations that arise which you don't get in American League games. So I'm glad that the National League is going back to the pitcher hitting and not using the designated hitter. My last point about the MLB and the MLBPA uh, agreement is they agreed to uh, starting extra innings with a runner on second. I didn't like this at first, but it kind of also helps speed up the game, kind of get rid of those, you know, 15 inning, 16 inning marathons. But I like those personally because once you reach like the 13th inning for me, I'm just ready to buckle in and just go the whole way. But I understand that some people aren't, you know, attuned to that kind of game. Like when the Red Sox were in the World Series against the Dodgers, see, headphone fell out. Jesus. Um, it was game three and Nathan Eovaldi was throwing like eight shutout innings in overtime and then he gave up a home run to Max Muncy thanks to Ian Kindler. Ian Kinsler's error, but whatever. But I was like, ooh, ooh, let's the thing go like 30 innings, right? So like that's the kind of baseball like I like is like those interesting, dramatic, high intensity, high volume games. And starting having extra innings start with runners on second base kind of helps speed that up and get rid of that. So these extra innings games aren't those marathons and they can get over 10, 11, hopefully 12 innings. So it's very interesting to see that they're going to carry over with that rule again. I believe that was going to be a rule anyways in uh, in 2020, regardless of COVID. I'm not too sure about that. So it's interesting to see them carry that over again. Sorry. Carry that over again here into 2021, as it seems like it's a rule that is is well-liked by uh, MLB and some other fans. However, just not me. But it is what it is. Lastly... Not really big, big news, but it's just something I want to mention that the St. Louis Cardinals, um, they decided to uh, agree to a contract with Yadier Molina, who is their catcher for the longest of times. I believe he was, that was the iPad, I apologize, who's been their catcher since like 2004, I think it was. Like he backed up, uh, he was the backup catcher in the 2004 World Series when it was the Red Sox and Cardinals then. But it's really not league-wide noteworthy except for the fact that he's played his entire career with the Cardinals and he's one of those players that's like you can't envision him on another team besides stop stop okay put the iPad face down so I get no more buzzes from that he's just one of those players that you can't picture him in another uniform like Pedroia just retired but whether how you feel about him how the last few years went if he should have retired earlier put that aside can you envision him in another uniform? Like, can you envision Dustin Pedroia playing for, I don't know, the Royals or like the Twins? And speaking of the Twins, like Joe Maurer, he was, you know, catcher for the Twins for a bunch of years, first baseman towards the end. But he played his whole career with the Twins. 
can you envision him in another uniform? And like Yadier Molina is just one of those guys as well where you can't envision them in just another uniform. Me personally, Alexander Bogarts uh, currently for the Red Sox and exhibits that where it just looks so awkward seeing these players that have been lifelong insert team here playing for another uniform, wearing another jersey and people kind of think like, oh, Ortiz, you can't picture him in another uniform. Well, his first few years, he was with the Twins, and he wasn't good, but he was with the Twins. But a lot of people forget about that. But picture Ortiz, his last couple of seasons, being on another team. You just can't do that. You just can't put that kind of a player who means so much to an organization in another jersey. And Yadier Molina probably is the Cardinals version of Dustin Pedroia or your Alexander Bogarts or even Ortiz. He's not the best of hitter, but he is the one of the best defensive catchers of all time. He is great with the pitching rotation, the pitching staff in general, and he's just a horse. He's always he's always consistent by the plate. He wears his uniform on his sleeve. He's just the type of teammate that you want to have on your team. So it's good to see that Yadier Molina is going back to the Cardinals for a one-year $9 million contract for his 18th MLB season. That's nuts. Okay, Ooh, baseball, Ooh, that was a lot. And it wasn't really quick hits. Quick hits. That was more long hits, right? <laughs> long hits. I do want to touch upon one thing before we just jump any further. I do want to touch upon the Celtics. They did lose last night to the Utah Jazz, 122 to 108. For those doing the math at home, that is a 14-point loss. 14-point loss on the road to Utah. Utah's a very good team. Do not get me wrong. Uh, let me fix my mic here. Bring it a little closer. Yeah. All right, here we go. All right. So Utah's a good team. Don't get me wrong. But the big thing that I worry about with this loss is the Celtics can't close games. At halftime, it was relatively close. It was a one-point game at halftime. Celtics 47, the Jazz 48. That's a great tight close game. Then the Jazz go on a 10-point run in the third quarter, ending plus 10. And then Celtics just lost the game. They can't come back from that. What does that say about the team? Now, Jalen Brown scores 33 points in 37 minutes. Tatum, 23 points in 38 minutes. You got Tice, 15 points in 28 minutes, but he only has four rebounds. And if he's supposed to be your forward or a center or whatever, it's not going to cut it. Tristan Thompson, 7 points in 26 minutes. He's not your scorer, but he is a big rebounder. He only gets 5 rebounds. I'm, that's not going to cut it right there from your starting rotation. And then you got Kemba playing 30 minutes, but only scoring 7 points. Now, I mentioned this with my interview with Joey uh, a couple weeks ago. It's not going to cut it. Kemba Walker scoring 7 points in 30 minutes is not going to cut it on this team. No matter what. Now... Celtics aren't playing without Marcus Smart, who's a great defender, and he his scoring is very uh, debatable in terms of him shooting, in terms of him uh, putting X amount of shots up. But you shouldn't have to rely on Marcus Smart in order to beat the Utah Jazz or any team in general. I mean, you can maybe make a claim about the Lakers or the Clippers. His defensive ability is needed with them. But you should have the firepower to beat the Jazz or any other team besides the upper echelon teams, such as, like I said, the Lakers or the Clippers. Also, the bench scoring is abysmal. 
Grant Williams, 9 points, 28 minutes. Semi Ojale, 5 points, 23 minutes. Peyton Pritchard, good to see him back. 3 points, 15 minutes. Robert Williams, 6 points, uh, 13 minutes. And then Jeff Teague, 0 points in 3 minutes. That's not going to cut it. I don't understand what Dan- Danny Ainge sees about this bench. It's a very nice, young um, bench. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I'm going to say about it. They don't have that pizzazz or that like, you know, bench threat. Like Marcus Smart, I think, is the perfect bench player. He's a defensive focused, orientated player who can kind of put up a few nice shots. He can make a couple nice shots. And if he's kind of the one or two in that second unit, probably the two, I could live with that. I can live with that. But when he's in your starting rotation and he's your three or two, you're not living with that because that's supposed to be Tatum Brown. You could even throw Kemba Walker into there. But like I said, I'm not going to say that the problems for the Celtics revolve around Marcus Smart because they don't. You could absolutely identify as a problem for the Celtics is Marcus Smart. And I'm not saying to trade him. Absolutely not. I am saying, though, you need another scorer off the bench. And you've needed one for a couple years now. Now, also in my interview with Joey a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that they need a sharpshooter off the bench, a three-point threat who is just a three-point threat, and that's it. Now, I'm not saying that the Celtics need to get one of those here. I'm saying that when your bench is scoring nine, five, three, six, and zero points in in the game, you need someone else. I always love to refer to this. You need, now I'm not saying this player, because I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but you need this type of player. You need an Isaiah Thomas type of player. Someone who is experienced, probably older, not going to, you know, demand a lot of minutes nowadays because he's been out of the league for a little bit. But someone like him who can run that second unit, have fun scoring, and, you know, be the main scorer for that second unit where he can take over. He doesn't have to be relied upon in crucial, you know, minutes because he's not a starter. Now, I'm not saying Isaiah Thomas. It would be nice to bring him back because I'm a huge Isaiah Thomas fan, as much as a lot of Boston is or a bunch of New Englanders love Isaiah Thomas. Would it be nice to have him back? Sure. Is it the smartest play? Probably not. But the Isaiah Thomas type player, point guard, ball handler, you know, you don't really need his defense because he is going to be a scorer for you. And I think that's exactly what the Celtics should be looking for as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Now, I like the roster the way it is. They do need a couple pieces. I really think that the Celtics should push their chips into one basket and go for Miles Turner. I think he would significantly help your big man problem. He would uh, absolutely resolve that big man problem. And then you can bring in a, a couple of the pieces to fill out your bench because you're probably going to have to burn a few bench players to get them. All that being said, I do like where the Celtics currently are. They are slipping a little bit. They are now 12 and 11, which doesn't look good. I just... I don't know how long Celtics fans or even myself will be able to take this mediocre gameplay, this mediocre um, product, and this mediocre seriousness coming from the front office and Danny Ainge being the general manager. With all that being said, the Jazz are 20-5. and They're absolutely electric right now, and they deserve to win this game, and they probably deserve to win against any team as of right now. So all that being said, If there's any questions, comments, or concerns about anything I just rambled about, please leave it uh, down below if you're watching on YouTube. 
leave a comment. Or if you're watching on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, whatever, tweet at me, uh, send me a DM at Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for sports talk. So I do want to utilize the wheel for the first time today. Let me close out some of these tabs from, okay. Now I have a bunch of topics. I don't think I've touched it in a few days though. So you're gonna have to bear with me. All right, here we go. I'm going to click it a bunch of times and we're just gonna see what we land on. And if you're watching on YouTube, you will see my wheel spinning. Murph's mock draft. Okay, so I know I said I wasn't going to really talk much about football or um, the draft or anything since it just ended and there's a bunch of other things going on, but the wheel decided for us. Get it? Wheel decide because it's a wheel and it spins and it's deciding. The play on words that I made last time. But okay, so actually this is actually a really good topic because Todd McShay, a draft analyst for ESPN, actually came out with his mock draft 2.0, I believe it was. And oh my goodness, it's quarterback heavy. Uh, let me look it up right now. Uh, mock draft Todd McShay. It's nuts, I'm telling you. Because in the first round, there's four quarterbacks going off the board. Um, I'm sorry, not the first round. The first four picks, a quarterback is going off the board. That's absolutely nuts. Uh, that's not it. Oh, God. Okay, I got to try to find it. So what does that say? A quarterback is going in the first four picks. Uh, that's a little bonkers if you tell me. All right, so here we go. I finally have it up now. So Jacksonville Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence. That's obviously taken. Uh, Jets going for Zach Wilson here out of BYU. There's been rumors that the Jets are getting phone calls about Sam Darnold, which I talked about before, and actually on Monday's episode with Kim. And it's really interesting because he was the third overall pick just a few season, a uh, few years back. And the, kind of them giving up on that is not a shocker, but it's also a shock, shocker at the same time. So the Jets taking Zach Wilson. That's two quarterbacks. Um, Todd McShay projects uh, Carolina is going to trade up with the Houston, um, sorry, the Miami Dolphins for the third overall pick where they take Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. And then at number four, the Atlanta Falcons take quarterback Justin Fields out of Ohio State, which is four quarterbacks in the first four picks. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but holy smokes, that's absurd. Bengals take Panay Sewell, who is a offensive tackle. I'm just going to go down to the next quarterback that's taken because it kind of screws the Patriots where we see um, the Chicago Bears trade with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, obviously, this is just a mock, nothing official, but the Bears jump up to 12 where the 49ers are. They make a trade with them, and they draft quarterback Mac Jones out of Alabama at number 12, three picks before you. Five quarterbacks in 12 picks. Or in the first four picks, leaving you absolutely screwed come 15 to take Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. Not going to get into it right now. Uh, great linebacker. I love, love what I see from him. Definitely needed need linebacker help. But come on. You can't slip on the position again. You can't do it. Now, 
could this be bearing the Patriots going out and making a trade or signing an actual quarterback? Absolutely. And if they do, then I obviously don't want them to take a quarterback with the 15th pick. But come on. like We obviously have to project that they don't because I think the draft is a good spot for them to go. But oh my goodness. If if, if this is any what true, now obviously this is just a mock. Things can change. Things won't happen. But if all five quarterbacks are gone before you, you deserve to suck again next year. And Tom Brady is going to be in the playoffs, be in Super Bowl contention with the Buccaneers, and he's going to make you... Bill Belichick looked like an absolute POS. But I'm done with I'm done talking about the draft or the Patriots quarterback situation because it just fires me up and gets me on a rant because I'm so PO'd about it, pissed off about it. Yep, there I said it. But anyways, we're not talking football, but the wheel decided on it. So uh, let's hit this a few times. Da-da-da-da-da. Bruins recent news. So I don't really know how recent this is. But I do love the way that they're playing right now. And they're playing very, very good hockey. Uh, they've been down a few games. They've come back to win them. And that just shows resiliency. That shows determination, effort, uh, passion, that never say never type of attitude. They did have the weekend off because their series against the Buffalo Sabres, I believe, was postponed because they had the Sabres had a little COVID uh, run in and so the Bruins actually had the whole weekend off, which was you know, nice, and it's good to see them get back on the ice relatively soon. I love the way that they're playing right now. I really do. Uh, Kevin Miller, who's a defenseman for the Bruins, who has been in and out of the lineup due to injuries past couple seasons, playing very, very well in his first healthy season in the, like since 2019, I think it is, 2018 maybe. So it's really good to see the team kind of gel and bond and really get together and just you know, win these games when they shouldn't be winning them. That just shows great effort, determination. And this is something you haven't really seen from the Bruins in a little bit. I think in the 2019 um, season, they kind of showed that resiliency and that you know effort to dig themselves out of holes. Obviously, we don't like to see them in these holes to begin with, but they ended up finding themselves in there, and it is what it is. Uh, the Bruins... They are playing exceptional hockey right now. One of the best teams in the league, if not the best. And just to kind of see them keep going. Tuka Rask is playing well. He gives up goals early, but when it counts, he hammers down and becomes nails. My heater just turned on in my house. My boiler or something. So if you hear a noise in the background, I apologize. You know, Yaroslav Halak. I think him and Rask are such a great combination in the goaltender in between the pipes. Uh, you got Charlie McAvoy. I already mentioned um, Kevin Miller. You have Brandon Carlo playing very, very well defense. And then plus that front line, like I've, I've been saying, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, your new captain, and David Pasternak playing very, very well. It's just something you really like to see, especially where the Bruins have been shaken up the past couple seasons, losing the Stanley Cup finals a couple years ago, then losing in the, uh, in the semifinal round last year. Then you lose your captains, Adano Chara, Tori Krug, a fan favorite. So it's really good to see that they're getting their, um, that nothing has really phased them. No teammate loss, no last year's loss in the playoffs has affected them. They feel like that they really have their head on right and they don't have any hangover from last season or any hangover from news or whatever. And it's really good and refreshing to see because you see this a lot with the Celtics. Like something bad will happen 
whether it's like a, a news or a, a report, and then just play, like play like cheeks the next the next game. But the Bruins, completely different story, and it's so energizing and refreshing to see that they're giving it a hundred and ten percent every time. Now being down three nothing or four to one doesn't really seem all too good. But to know that they can dig themselves out is really good to know for when they actually need to down the road. All right, one more wheel spin. Got some good topics here. I have no idea what we're going to land on. And here we go. Oh, any hot takes? Oh, this is a good one. Any hot takes? So on Twitter, I was asked early Super Bowl prediction. So like, who do I think is going to win the Super Bowl next year? Super Bowl 56. And I was like, whew, that's a tough one because there's so much change that's going to happen in the NFL. And, you know, 15 quarterbacks could be on 15 different teams next year. There's so much to happen with trades, free agency, and the draft. Um, Obviously, the Chiefs will be there next year, um, in contention at least. Uh, The Buccaneers will be in contention. Uh, We need to see what the Saints do with Drew Brees, what he decides, if he comes back or not. Um, it'll be very interesting to see that situation. The Buffalo Bills, how they're going to come back from losing the AFC title game. Browns, Steelers, Seahawks, all those teams, all those good playoff teams, how are they going to rebound? How are the Rams going to look with Matthew Stafford being their quarterback and Goff in Detroit? But the one team that I really think that has a great shot at winning the Super Bowl next year is the Green Bay Packers. Now, I say this with the contingency of Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback, for the Packers next year. If he is not the quarterback, if he's traded, whatever, obviously I probably won't be picking the Packers, but I think their offense was so dynamic this past year, and they lost their left tackle, the best left tackle, David Bakhtiari, uh, to a torn Achilles or an ACL, something like that. And they lose him, but they're still a dynamic offense. They're still able to run the ball, run screen plays, pass plays, whatever. And I've been ranting about their defense all, you know, Ever since we started this podcast, when they were still in the playoffs, that they have an excellent defense, the best defense I've seen. And if they can bring back that core group of guys and build upon that, I think their defense will be right there again next year. And it's going to really matter. It's really going to determine what the offense does. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, if they can get Aaron Rodgers some help in the draft, free agency, trade, whatever. But right now, as it stands on February 10th, 2021, I think the Super Bowl 56 winner will be the Green Bay Packers with the contingency of Aaron Rodgers being their quarterback come next year. Whew, that was a lot. Woo-hoo, that was a lot. All right. We talked about so much in this podcast. We talked about all four sports, which I really love doing. I love covering all four sports in one episode because it just really helps helps you, the listener, stay up to date with what's going on across the four major sports uh, because there's always news going around, whether it's baseball, hockey, basketball, football. There's always something going on. And no matter what time of year it is in the season, there's some news to be talked about, some news that's just broke. And we could see that with baseball and the MLBPA coming to an agreement. Um, football, where you know free agency is starting to roll around. Mock drafts are really going to start to get hot. And then, like I said, with the Bruins and the Celtics playing that the way the, the way that they're playing, the Bruins are hot, the Celtics are cold. What needs to happen there in their respective locker rooms? 
it's really interesting right now. A uh, really interesting time to be a sports fan because, you know, the main event, the Super Bowl, is over. It is done with, and we do have football to look ahead. No physical game, but a lot of football off-season activity. Hockey and basketball are in the heat of things right now in their respective seasons, and baseball is right around the corner. And I cannot wait, even though it's spring training, I cannot wait for baseball this year. So, if you really enjoyed this podcast episode let me know reach out to me on twitter and instagram that you liked it that you enjoyed it that you have a thought about what i said whether you agree or disagree with me the handle the username is at merce underscore boston st where the st stands for sports talk i appreciate you downloading and listening on your favorite platform whether it's spotify apple google amazon whatever and if you're watching on youtube hopefully you enjoyed being able to see the wheel and the topics being um, shown right in front of you instead of me kind of you know on the side pulling a piece of paper out hopefully this is something cool that sticks around and while you're watching on youtube definitely subscribe if you're new to the channel or please leave a like down below so i know that you enjoy this today this content today excuse me with all that being said so much that we talked about i'm definitely excited for friday's episode because there's going to be a lot more to talk about come friday that's just how sports go. There's always something happening. So until then, until the next episode, stay safe out there. Try to stay warm. Keep shoveling if you're in New England getting blasted with the snow. And hopefully we can get some warm weather soon. But until Friday, folks, I will see you later. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.